Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast. Pull up a chair while I take a deeper dive into concerns for the team's present and future. Questions are always welcomed, whether on Twitter, Tim815, or the Anchor Contest Line, or on my Facebook Pre-Arb Excellence group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, Elzele Hater and Three Wild Games, and ask me questions if I was confusing. A lot of people, and I guess I get it, a lot of people are a bit polar on games that you your team wins are fun and games that your team loses are a bummer. That's the general mindset. I get it, but I'm more from a player development slash minor league slash all that kind of stuff sort of perspective. And whether the team wins a game or loses a game is far less significant to me. And today is a wonderful example of why. The Cubs today walked in with a healthy lead over St. Louis. And in the Cubs' first game of the doubleheader, which was actually kind of boring, Anthony Rizzo hit two home runs, but the first game was actually kind of boring. There really weren't any wow storylines. The Cubs won the game, and by doing that, they knocked out, knocked down their elimination number for St. Louis, Milwaukee, Cincinnati, well, actually, St. Louis, Milwaukee, and Pittsburgh by one, and Cincinnati by two. So, they're, the Cubs are in very good shape regarding the division. The Cubs are in very good shape even if they don't win the division, but winning the, making the playoffs. So the getting all bent out of shape about how Javier Baez is looking at the plate right now, insignificant. The, a lot of things right now are just, that really isn't very important. However, that's the standard mindset. If, we're do, if we win game, very good. If, we're, if we lose game, very bad. I will eventually get to the second Cubs game. The other two games in the division that were going on, other than the U Darvish versus Trevor Bauer game, were hilarious. They were just Completely, 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 completely hilarious. Cincinnati, no, uh, St. Louis was playing Cleveland in St. Louis. Cleveland scored 14 last night, two touchdowns, 14 to two, one-sided game. Jack Flaherty was the starter for St. Louis tonight. I had a back and forth with somebody who's a Cardinals fan who doesn't like something that Jack Flaherty is standing up for. I didn't really get into what it was that he was talking about, but 
Well, sometimes people down in Missouri, I'd just leave it like that. Um, but Flaherty started against Cleveland. Cleveland scored early. St. Louis answered back. And the game went into extra innings. Through 10 innings, the game was kind of ordinary. Into the bottom of the 11th, the game got a bit strange. Paul DeYoung, infielder for the Cardinals, was spotted on second base because teams get runners on second base to start extra innings in extra inning. You know, it, it was the 11th inning. So uh, someone for St. Louis hit a fly ball that was back to the warning track. Now, DeYoung is on second base with nobody out as the tying run. Okay, you're on second base as the tying run. Fly ball deep. What do you do? What I would do, I would head back to the base and probably be about two steps away from the base. And then when it looks like the outfielder has a handle on the ball and is probably going to catch it, then I'd drop back and stand on the base and get ready to run to third as soon as he touches it because he was still running back when he caught the ball. Because then you can easily tag up, go to third base, you're the winning run standing on third base with one out in extra innings. You're in good shape. Your team's in good shape. Seem reasonable? Yeah, I thought so. Okay, so what's Paul DeYoung do? What he does is he was leading off, took his secondary lead, fly ball. He takes about four or five steps toward third base. Why he does that, I have no idea. Because if the ball's going to be off the wall, he's going to score anyway. And even, 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 even if it takes an absolute crazy bounce right back to the outfielder, they're going to have runners on second and third with nobody out in the extra innings, and that's toxic. You're going to lose that game. So uh, DeYoung, instead of running back to second, takes about three or four jab steps to third. Then he decides, wait a minute, maybe I shouldn't do that. He runs about two-thirds of the way back to the bag, but then looks back at the outfielder and takes another step toward third before he tags up. And the outfielder catches the ball. And then DeYoung decides, I better tag up. So he goes back, steps on the bag, and I screwed this up. So DeYoung stays at second, one out, inning ends, Cardinals don't score. And Cleveland scores one in the 12th. Well... What happens in the bottom of the 12th? Yadier Molina is up. And Molina is on third base with one out. Tying run. Now, they're not going to pinch run for Molina because he's their catcher. He's their hoss. He's their stud. He's their dude. Plus, Andrew Kisner is not hitting that well this year, which could be a thing for consideration on into the future. But uh, so Molina is at third. And the hitter, I think the big left-handed pull hitter, maybe Matt Carpenter, I don't know who it was, hits a ground ball right down the line to the first baseman, about a three-bouncer, right on the line, takes a bit of a funky bounce. The first baseman kind of boots it, 
but it knocks it right back down at his feet. He picks up the ball, steps on third, uh, steps on first to retire the hitter, and looks over to see what's going on with Yadier Molina, who's the runner at third. Because in his peripheral vision, he hasn't seen him running or anything. And since he was so close to the base, he figured, well, I might as well touch the base since I'm here, and it'd be harder to avoid it. Yadier Molina is standing 40 feet down the line, absolutely frozen. First baseman picks the ball up, starts running over to Molina. He doesn't move. He doesn't move. He doesn't move. Finally gets in a rundown, gets tagged out. Inning over, game over, Cleveland wins, and St. Louis has two horrible base running plays in, in extra innings, and it's absolutely fantastic. Now, that is the kind of a loss that a fan base can get truly upset about because why don't these players know the fundamentals? Why doesn't Paul DeYoung sprint back to second base, put his foot on the base, and realize if the guy catches the ball, I'm to third. If he drops the ball, I'm to third, and the batter's to second. We're great. We're perfect. We're wonderful like this. No, he just meanders about and kind of staggers around like a drunk, and you know goes to third, then goes back to and then goes back to that. That forget it. And uh, it's really funny. St. Louis played bad. JV baseball in extra innings, and it is fantastic. Now, part of it may be that they're playing too many games over too long of a stretch, and their players just aren't getting enough of a mental break or a physical break or a whatever. And now here's where I break out my little tiny violin. I'm not the person who was saying the Cardinals should forfeit. I'm not saying the, the one who was saying that it was, you know, whatever. They're going to play the games. They're going to play the games. And when you have to play games, even if they're only seven innings, there's going to come a stretch where a couple of, couple of your players are going to be, wow, I'm really mentally not sharp because I'm having to play too many games. And since everybody on their entire team is like that, there's really not a whole lot they can do. Well, after last night's game, they made four roster moves. So I guess you can do that. But... They, you know, there's their catchers, Yadier Molina, and you know, they're not going to do anything with him. I don't know. So, uh, that game was absolutely hilarious. And what that did was it dropped the St. Louis number down to 29. The goal, the num, the take, take two. The goal is to have the numbers get down to zero. As the numbers get down to zero, the teams can no longer pass the Cubs. And if the Cubs are in first or second in the division, they make the playoffs. Possibly if they're in third, they make the playoffs. And if all four team numbers get down to zero, then the Cubs win the division. St. Louis has a whole bunch of games still to go, pretty much in a row. And I think they only have like two days off the rest of the season. So their number, which is now at 29, could go down further quickly. Okay, so now that's the Cardinals game. That was absolutely fantastic. It was absolutely brilliant. I'm hoping John Boy on Twitter has a breakdown as far as how do you do these things that you do. And uh, I, I hope he does. It would be absolutely fantastic. He already had a little bit of a one on Paul DeYoung, how he, 
he he really kind of looked like he was uh, uh he was playing um 16 inch softball where you have um a kegger of beer at each base and he didn't know which way he was running or was supposed to be running or i i it was it was funny if you go on twitter look up paul DeYoung base running it's hilarious it, it's absolutely adorable so that was the that was the cardinals game now the brewers game i was following it and i honestly had something early 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 in the game the brewers game that came to mind, I'm going to say it. I'm just going to say it. I'm not calling for anything. I'm not predicting anything. I'm not projecting anything. I was noticing that after... I, I like, I'm getting to the point where I'm checking pitch counts rather closely. And what I figure is by this time of the year, if a pitcher has a standard pitch count by now. That's probably what he's going to go this time around. So if if a guy is at 85, 87, 82, 85, 73, 85, 81. You kind of know where he's going to get lifted. They probably think he's about an 83, 85 pitch guy. So I was watching for... Brett Anderson, left-hander for Milwaukee. He was facing Pittsburgh tonight. Pittsburgh was throwing Brubaker against the Brewers. And the last time Brubaker pitched against the Brewers, Brubaker brewed the Brewers. Or he baked them. I'm not sure if he brewed them or he baked them, but he won. Today, Brubaker did not brew or bake the Brewers. He uh, got a no decision, but it was a fun game anyway. So it gets to the... Bottom of the eighth, and the Pirates are up a pair. Milwaukee scores two in the bottom of the eighth, bottom of the eighth, and you know a three in the bottom of the eighth to take the one run lead, and you know what that means. Brewers head to the ninth up one run. You know exactly what that means. In comes Josh Hader. You knew it. You knew it before I was gonna say it. I started to say it. You might have even said it with me. The Brewers bring in Josh Hader because when it gets to the ninth inning in a one-run game, heck, sometimes in an eighth inning in a one-run game, Josh Hader comes in because they use Josh Hader as if <sighs> pitchers never get tired. However, in the last eh, four years, the Brewers have had a tendency to have starters that go shorter distances than other teams. Now, there are possible reasons for that. Part of it is they really haven't done that good of a job of developing starting pitching. They've done better than the Cubs, but they haven't done a good job. So they haven't done that good of a job of developing starting pitching. They've leaned heavily on relievers, and in their offseason, they have prioritized bringing in relievers, some of whom have done really well, some of whom less so, but Josh Hader has generally done really well. They had Corey Knabel, who had a really good year. Then he injured his elbow. They've had a number of other pitchers who did rather well. And then they injured their elbow. Okay. I'm not saying 
that Brewers relief pitchers are going to continue to get injured at a high rate of occurrence if they continue to have starting pitchers that only go four or five innings. Brad Anderson today went five innings. So, Brewers, okay, we're going to bring in this reliever. We're going to bring in this reliever. This guy's going to help to get through that. Okay, now it's the ninth inning. We're up a run. In comes Josh Hader, and you know it's going to happen, right? First batter walked. Second batter strikes out. Third batter walked. Fourth batter walked. So now we got bases loaded. Manager comes out. Okay, Josh, you know what you're supposed to do. You know, throw the strike thing and make the hitter look, you know, highly uncomfortable. Okay, skip. I got it. No problem. No problem. So uh, bases loaded. Tying run is on third. I high fastball, ball one. I high fastball, ball two. I high fastball, ball three. I high fastball, ball four. Tie game. Manager takes a very, 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 very deep breath. Go ahead. Go ahead. Up comes the next hitter. I high fastball, ball one. I high fastball, ball two. I high fastball, ball three. Not I high fastball. But it's a ball, ball four. Another run walks in. So now it's the Brewers down by a run. Out comes the manager, hooks Josh Hader. He's done for the day. The more you rely heavily on any one player, the more likely something is to happen. And the Brewers have been riding Josh Hader very aggressively the last few years. And when they aggressively rode Corey Knebel, he got injured. They're continuing to ride Josh Hader. Today's outing was 32 pitches, 9 strikes. Now, you're going to get upset. About, oh my goodness, Craig Kimbrell lost. He blew the... The Kimbrell signing is not looking good. It's probably regrettable. The question is, what lesson are you going to learn from the Craig Kimbrell signing? A lot of people get very reactionary. They ought to shoot him to the sun. They ought to fire him. They ought to release him. You are a level-headed person, as indicated by listening to a podcast. And he may figure it out. He may not figure it out. But in today's game, yesterday, Cubs used Kyle Ryan and, oh, who was it? Sadler? I think it was Sadler. They, they used a lot of the bullpen yesterday. And then today, it was a doubleheader. Fortunately, Darvish went six innings. And then turned it over to Jeffress. And that I completely agreed with. I completely agreed with Jeffress. Because walking into the doubleheader today, it was really useful, not essential, not crucial, not, you know, none of that. But it it was really useful for the Cubs to win one game. You split a road doubleheader, you're fine. Game two is gravy. When it comes to pitcher usage, 
generally, if you use a pitcher two days in a row, you're not going to use him in the third game. So, whoever pitched on Friday, if they pitched in any game on Saturday, they probably would not be used on Sunday. So, the pitchers who were used on Friday, it was a good idea to not use them on Saturday. Especially since the Cubs won the first game. And especially since Tyler Chatwood has been announced as the starting pitcher for tomorrow. At some point in Major League Baseball, in a season, even if it's only 60 games long, it's perfectly acceptable on occasion to lose the game but win the war. Craig Kimbrell's job is to be a closer. His, Kim, his game is not to be a right-handed relief specialist in the fifth inning. That's not he's, what he's been grown up to do. He's not a sixth inning guy that you bring in and try to set something up for Rowan Wick or whoever. Wick pitched the sixth inning. When it got to be time for somebody to close, they went with Craig Kimbrell. And it didn't work. No, no severe issue, no severe problem with that because occasionally pitchers with ERAs up in the nine range are going to give up two runs in an inning and it happened today. I can't emphasize enough how much I appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. Numbers are up, especially for a weekend. And I hope I hope a couple of you guys listen to this one because this one this one I quite enjoy, and uh, maybe this will be one that you might want to pass on to somebody else. Um, Anchor allows sponsorships, so if that's something you would be interested in, feel free to look into that. But I really do appreciate you guys listening. But I left out the real fun part of game two. For me, I, I was I, I was actually on. Uh, I was watching the game on the on the computer. I was watching the game on the on my uh, n- not watching the video. I was just watching the game progress. And as Alec Mills continued to scuffle, I began to think, you know, this sounds like it's going to become an Adbert Elzelay game. And before too horribly long, it did become an Ad Braille's delay game. He pitched the fourth inning. Then, oh, blast. I'm not remembering who pitched the fifth. But in the top of the sixth, the Cubs ended up taking the lead. And somewhere along the line, uh, when T.J. Antone pitched one up and in to Anthony Rizzo. Rizzo looked at the umpire and said, really? We're, we're allowing over-the-head stuff with nothing? And then David Ross came out to inquire. David Ross got tossed. So next half inning, Alzale goes out for his half inning, and um, he... Almost, well, he pitched one that was somewhere near the player. 
And Cincinnati said, wait a minute, what, you're letting him pitch inside now? And since players were coming off of the bench to join a potentially growing fracas in a pandemic, three players were tossed in about five seconds. It was, it was amusing. Joey Bottle got tossed. Winker got tossed, and then David Bell got tossed. So three, three reds. One, two, three. It's like I was back at a CBA game, and some uh, um, thin-skinned official decided he was going to take the game over because uh, he didn't like being told that he's bad at his job or something. So um, three reds got tossed, and that was the half inning that Elzale was in, and after that he pitched really good. Before that, he had, let's see, a hit and had run up a 3-1 count, something like that. But after after the fracas, after the activity, um, Elzale settled everything down and got out of his inning without any run scoring. Now, here is where something got a bit weird. Not, not the people getting tossed out of the game and uh, Joey Votto getting pinch hit for because he'd been tossed as the DH. What I thought was a bit odd, again, Alec Mills went four. And Elzele pitched the fourth. I was thinking Elzele was going to pitch the fifth. And when I looked at my um, game board... It said the Cubs were going to the bullpen. I was thinking, okay, now why would they pull Alzale? Didn't sound anything like an injury or anything. And it took me about four or five seconds, but I figured out why I think the Cubs pulled Abra Alzale. And if you buy the premise, it completely makes sense. If you don't and you think I'm a crackpot, well, that's fine too. I got no worries with that. Abra Alzale was along for the ride in case the Cubs needed a pitcher to go two or three innings today. They used him for one and were probably, probably going to use him in the fifth. However, Elzele had his situation. TJ Antone had his situation. So now all of a sudden, the umpires are on toss the next pitcher who throws inside out of the game alert. The umpires were probably going to f- toss the next pitcher that threw anything inside. And if that were to happen, that player would probably get suspended. You dig? It's not that the Cubs want anyone to get suspended. However, Adber Alzale came in today with two jobs. One, pitch a couple innings if needed, if either starter struggled. And the second and more important thing, next Saturday, the Cubs have a doubleheader against St. Louis. I think it's Saturday. I really think it's Saturday. Maybe it's a different day, but I really think it's Saturday. So whenever... The Cubs have their doubleheader. They will be able to call up from the minor leagues whoever the heck they want to for whatever reason they want to. And they will be able to use them in that doubleheader that day. 
And I'm guessing the Cubs are going to call up Adbert Alzelay to start against St. Louis. Now, why would Adbert Alzelay start against St. Louis? Because the last time he started against St. Louis in Wrigley Field, he mushed them. It was fantastic. So, the idea was, let's get Alzelay an inning or two on Saturday, send him right back to South Bend, have him do all the everything, what that he has to do to prepare for his start in the doubleheader. That's why I'm thinking. Everything the Cubs can do to get him a little bit of work, a little bit more experience, and then send him back to South Bend, bring him back for the doubleheader. Everything's fine as long as it works. However, if they send Alzelay out for the second inning, there is a, what, 10, 15% chance he hits somebody. If he plunks somebody in the shoulder, hits somebody in the knee, heck, somebody might even lean lean into one, like Derek Dietrich style, and just, you know, take one off the bicep or something. And then what you're looking at is the umpires might uh, toss him, and then he might get suspended. And the entire premise is use him today, get him back to South Bend, and bring him back on Saturday. The plan was never to get him suspended. Because then, if you end up getting a pitcher suspended for eight games, well, we're just going to send him back. We're just going to, you know, use him now and send him back. Okay, well, you use him, you send him back. As soon as you bring him up, he's serving an eight-game suspension. Well, the entire plan is to use him on Sunday, on, on Saturday, against St. Louis. So they bring him back up. If he's been suspended then they have to bring him back up and he has to serve a suspension before he can pitch the game on Saturday. That's my thought. I think they decided, you know what? We'd love, 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 love to get you another inning of experience against the Reds. However, we don't want you to get suspended and toss our pitching rotation into a complete quagmire. So the Cubs decided, you know what? We're just going to send Alzelay back to the dugout and go back to the bullpen. So the bullpen starts getting used, and bullpen gets overused on Friday. The bullpen only gets used for one inning on Saturday in the first game. And Saturday in the second game, the starter went three. Then somebody came in for the fourth. That was Alzelay. Fifth, somebody came in. Wick pitched the sixth. Kimbrell pitched the seventh. And there are some people, why didn't you get him out? Sometimes you're better off just losing a game. Because if they do bring in, oh, geez, who are we going to say? Did, did, did Colin Ray pitch? I think Colin Ray pitched yesterday. So there just weren't a whole lot of guys that didn't pitch on Friday and hadn't pitched on Saturday. So you really don't want to use a whole bunch of extra other players because if the game ends up going 11 innings, who are you going to use eventually because you're going to be out of arms? So at some point you say, Kimbrell, you're going to pitch. And if you end up losing the game, we end up losing the game. It's not the biggest thing in the history of the world to lose a game on the road in a doubleheader and split. Would it have been nice to win them both? Yes. 
Would it have trimmed all those four numbers that I'm looking at right now down one more? Yes. Would that have been helpful? Yes. But it wasn't going to happen. Kimbrell did not have his good stuff. Kimbrell was Josh Hader-like today. At least Josh Hader-like in a how Josh Hader was today sort of a fashion. And the Cubs ended up losing a game. And when you have a four-game lead and St. Louis has lost four games in a row and has basically looked like dog piss doing it and they've forgotten the fundamentals of baseball and they gave up 14 runs yesterday and ran themselves out of two extra innings today, um, they don't have days off coming. St. Louis does not have a, oh, okay, we're going to have a day off, then we're going to play three, and then we're going to have another day off. We'll be able to get our bullpen settled. No, they're not. They're playing horrible baseball. Maybe that'll change, but if you're playing horrible baseball, sometimes that continues. And we'll, we'll have to see how it plays out. But right now, the Cubs are pretty much at the point where if they play 50-50 baseball from here to the end, they're going to win the division. Which, which of the teams that you've seen, St. Louis, who can't run the bases, and they're, they're just, maybe by the weekend when they come to Chicago, they'll be playing really well again. But they have, I think they have two days off left this year. So they're going to be continuously playing and when you're already mentally gassed, having to continuously play doesn't help. Milwaukee's bullpen, um, they keep writing it. They keep writing it. They keep writing it. And if the Cubs continue to work the starters' pitch count, they will just keep the Brewers writing and writing and writing their bullpen. And that only works as long as the guys stay healthy. We'll see how that works. Cincinnati, that team should be better than they are. They have better pitching than uh, some teams. They should be doing better, than, but they're not. They're not doing well. And Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh. So uh, all the Cubs have to do is win half their games or so. And by the time the White Sox series starts at the end of the season, everything will be clinched. They won't have to worry about it. And however, Commissioner Robert J. Manfred, I'm starting to call him that, but it's not a respect thing. I'm, I'm using the Robert J. Manfred to make it look like he's, uh, I, I'm being pompous toward him or something. Um, I don't know how they're going to do the playoffs. We'll find out that eventually. But regarding the Cubs for right now, if you're sweating the next eh, three weeks, don't. Don't sweat the next three weeks. If Wilson Contreras and Javier Baez and Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo are hitting once the playoffs start, then having Kyle Hendricks and Hugh Darvish at the start of a rotation in a short series against any team in the league will probably be kind of impressive, especially if it's a three-game series. So, yeah, it's uh, we'll have to see, but the Cubs should be in fairly decent shape. All they have to do is win a couple, lose a game, win a game, lose a game, win a couple, lose a couple. As long as they don't have a stretch where they lose seven of eight, they should be fine because Milwaukee's going to play Cincinnati and somebody's going to lose. 
Pittsburgh's going to play St. Louis, and somebody's going to lose. And regardless who's end up losing, that helps the Cubs. Teams play division opponents two-thirds of the time this year. When teams creep outside of the division, yes, sometimes they'll get Kansas City, and sometimes they'll get Detroit, but sometimes they'll get Cleveland, who's good, sometimes they'll get Minnesota, who's good, and sometimes they'll get the White Sox. So the National League Central teams are going to have a hard time having that situation where they win 12 out of 16 games. It's going to be really hard for any of those teams to go 12 and 4. Really hard. It'll be hard for the Cubs to do it, too. It'll be really hard for a team to go 12, 12 and 4 over a stretch. But if they do go 12 and 4, they're going to start knocking off teams like Milwaukee, like Cincinnati, like Pittsburgh, like St. Louis. And if the Cubs just do what they're supposed to, don't get swept. Don't get shut out. Representing Darvish's starts, representing Kyle Hendricks' starts, and maybe at some point give Amber Elzelay another couple starts. We'll see. Alec, I'll talk about Alec Mills later. Um, don't worry about him. Alec Mills is not arbitration eligible until 2023. If Alec Mills has to be the ninth pitcher in the bullpen for a while, if Alec Mills is a back end of the starter, back end of the rotation starter, that's fine. When you have a pitcher, one of the players who caught a lot of crap back in the day, 2008, 2007, 2008, was Jason Marquis. He'd been signed as an off-season free agent, veteran free agent. And the numbers on his contract were not particularly that obscenely high for Major League Baseball at the time. But when people see numbers, say, oh, X number of million dollars, he should be doing better than that. That's standard protocol. I understand how that works. I understand people are going to say that. Jason Marquis for that team was the fifth starter. He was the last guy in the bullpen. You said maybe it was even 2003. I think it might have been 2003. Um, when you have a guy who's the fifth guy in the rotation, you send him out there. He's going to start in a regular season. He might start like 30 times. And you're hoping, you're hoping your team can win half of those games. If your team can win half of the fifth starter's games, so you got 30 games from him, if you can win 15 of those games, you are golden. If you win 13 of those games, you're really good because the other guys are the guys that are supposed to win the games for you, not the fifth guy. So if you have a guy at the fifth as your fifth starter and he's adequate, that's fine. That's completely fine because the other guys on the team should be doing the winning for your team, not the guy who's the fifth starter in your rotation. If the fifth starter in your rotation is making league minimum, 
and you're winning about half of his games under whatever circumstance. That is absolutely amazing because you're not supposed to win half your games with the fifth starter, no matter how much you're paying him. And if you're getting about half half the time you're winning the game and he's making league minimum, that's money that can be spent elsewhere. Alec Mills, Adber Alzelay, as players develop, they're not going to be all-league superstars right away. If a pitcher, whether he's a leverage reliever, back-end starter, anything along those lines, if he can go out there and not humiliate himself, that's what you're looking for. If you're looking for, if if you're expecting or demanding or anything along those lines, a guy who, okay, we're calling him up for a start because of an emergency or a double header or somebody got hurt or just be supportive. Just be supportive. Don't don't expect him to go out and pitch seven innings of two hit one run ball and uh, one walk and eight strikeouts. That's what. Darvish is supposed to do. That's what Hendricks is supposed to do. You can expect that from the, you know, proven regulars. But uh, the guys at the back end of the rotation, they go out and don't embarrass themselves. Hey, that's fine. What Abra did today, that's fine. With players who are developing, does he look more reliable after this outing than last outing? Elsley didn't start this one very well, but he finished it very well. That's all you need from a player who's developing. Uh, Nico Horner had a fantastic plate trip in the eighth inning. Fantastic. Bases loaded, one out, fly ball to wherever it was, scored the run. That's what they needed. Just hit the ball 300 feet somewhere. Let the outfielder catch it and let the run score. That is exactly what the team needed. Nobody else tacked on anything, which would eventually hurt. But uh, learn things from the game. Are people taking steps forward? Are people taking steps backward? After Horner's sacrifice fly. Actually, it was with nobody out. It was with nobody out they got the sacrifice fly because the runner moved to third and Albert Almora came up and on the first pitch, they had him try to bunt. Bunted foul. If you have a guy who's been around since 2016 and the team is having him bunt to try to get a run in, that's a bit of a tell. Uh, something else might have to be being done along those lines somewhere in the relatively near future. But realistically, today was a fine day. The Cubs knocked everybody's number down, and Pittsburgh's number dropped twice. So uh, the Cubs are creeping closer to um, it's getting really difficult to see them not making the postseason. And that Josh Hader had an absolutely terrible game, and the Cardinals' base running was worse than Josh Hader was in his game when he uh, had 32 pitches and only 9 strikes. The two closest teams in the division have gaping holes. 
Cubs are fine. Chris Bryant will be back on Tuesday. Cubs will be fine. Don't worry about it. Until they, unless they, uh, unless the Cubs lose five or six, lose seven or eight, they're fine. Uh, just, just, just win, win a game, lose a game, win a game, lose a game, win two, lose two, and watch the other teams lose and eliminate themselves. Somebody goes up to St. Louis, hosts Cleveland, loses two or three, might lose all three. Just keep the numbers dropping. Everything's, everything's beautiful. Everybody is below thirty on elimination numbers against the Cubs, and the second half has just started. Cubs are in great shape. Yet the other teams are just going to eliminate themselves. And that's about all that's necessary. And hopefully, before October starts, Baez will have a clue, and Bryant will get healthy, and Rizzo will save a couple of homers for when it matters. Thanks for stopping by Pre-Arb Excellence. I'll try to post another podcast if circumstances warrant one. I'll attempt to make that one worth your time as well. Be safe, go Cubs go, and be nice to people.